Three, two, one, boom. Good afternoon and welcome to Three Deeper Cuts, your lifestyle magazine for the practicing surgical pathologist. I am your host, Chuck G. Every week we bring you something to think about, something to read, or something to listen to. Three Deeper Cuts is brought to you by Formal and Fixed Paraffin Embedded Tissue. Emphasis on the formalin. Without the exposure to 10% buffered neutral formalin that I was exposed to in my four years of residency at St. Louis, I wouldn't be able to think of all the crazy stuff that I write about here at Three Deeper Cuts Publishing. So if you're not a pathologist and you're listening to this right now, thank you and welcome. A couple of announcements for today. If you eat foot-long Subway sandwiches for seven days in a row, you are going to feel ill. And that's how I feel right now. I was like I got some allergy situation uh, from driving through the high desert of southern Colorado and <coughs> northern New Mexico. It's that post-nasal drip cough uh, that makes it a little bit difficult to talk, especially at Grand Rounds and in front of clinicians and in the scaredy-cat culture that we live in. Everyone thinks you've got some respiratory virus, which I may have, but damn it, I'm not getting tested. I'm a pathologist, and I sit alone in an office, and I'm sticking to it. Anyways, let's get into it. Chapter 8 of the graphic novel, No Lab for Old Men. Pieces of this novel can be found on the Substack, 3dpercuts.substack.com, and also on the website, 3dpercuts.net. Let's go. Chaz. Ooh, how did I get here? Jimmy. You act like that's <coughs> an unreasonable question. Stop badgering him. Let him talk. What do you say we get out of here and get some coffee? It's on me. Jimmy and Ron exchange a look at each other. Jimmy looks around and finds a broom from the janitor's closet and starts sweeping up the rubble from the bathroom. Ron slowly joins him, nervously brushing the dust from the floor with a towel. Chaz gets up, stands between them, and holds up his hands gently. A soft look of empathy gleams from his eyes. Chaz. Don't worry about the mess, fellas. I worked it out with the catering staff last week. They'll get this taken care of. Chaz saunters between them and towards the bathroom entrance. Ron. Taken care of? You think Cab Lab's not going to notice a 400-pound gorilla just blasted through a bathroom wall with C4 explosive? Chaz. I got them courtside to the first five Mavericks games of the season. Jimmy <coughs> dusts off his arms and legs, walking towards his new silverback gorilla acquaintance. Jimmy. I know a place on Grenville with decent cold brew and snacks. Chaz. Let's go, amigo. Ron pulls out his albuterol inhaler and takes two good drags. All right, then. Coffee. 
The three new friends walk across Harry Hines Boulevard and pile into Ron's 2011 Tahoe. The back gate fits Chaz perfectly. Jimmy fills into the shotgun seat. They start the engine and pull around into traffic. They drive the three miles to the coffee shop in awkward silence. Chaz, you guys want to put on some jazz? You got it, buddy. Gentle contemporary jazz tunes play over the SUV radio sound system. After two songs, they pull into the parking lot of Silent Brew, a sleek, hipster coffee shop off the lower Grenville Avenue. Ron pulls into a spacious parking slot in the back near the dumpsters, hoping not to draw too much attention, but it has the opposite effect. Two attractive college girls are passing by on their way into the cafe. Girls. Hey, Chaz! Chaz, with one leg out of the Tahoe, turns his head around and smiles. Girls! Good to see you. If you don't mind, could one of you order me an iced latte? And get something for yourselves on me. Girl number one. Anything for Chaz. See you inside. She blows a kiss in the direction of the Tahoe. Jimmy, stepping out of the passenger seat. You know these people? Chaz. What can I say, Jimmy? I got friends. Chaz winks and slams the Tahoe door shut. Ron turns off the, ignig the ignition and walks around the vehicle in surprise. Ron. I can't believe my eyes. Say, uh, why didn't you have them order us some coffee? Jimmy. Ron. Don't abuse the gorilla's magnetic charm. Chaz. Pulls Jimmy and Ron in close to him with his large, furry arms. All right, fellas. Odds are, you've never been in public with a 400-pound gorilla. Let me tell you something. It's important you stay cool throughout the whole time. Humans are weird about anxiety. You just walk in there like Robert De Niro in the movie Heat. Like you own the damn place. Jimmy, you got it. And another thing. Ron, what's that? Don't touch the back of my head. Got that? Jimmy. Sure. What's that about? In the primate world, it's a sign of aggression. If you touch the back of my head, I won't be able to resist my biological urge to fight you. Further, it'll prompt other human alpha males in the area, assuming there are any in this bougie fucking place, to challenge me. And that won't end well. Ron. What are you so worried about? Chaz. I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about you. If we get into a brawl, I'm going to end up smashing some dude's head open, and it's back to the slammer we go. Guys like me, I'm already institutionalized from that basement of Cab Lab. Confinement suits me. But you people won't last in confinement. Jimmy. Like the guy from Shawshank Redemption? Chaz. Sure. Jimmy. Relax, man. Nobody's going to touch the back of your head. Ron. Not even a playful tap? Jimmy. Ron, stop. Let's just go get some coffee and hash this situation out. The three of them walk up to the coffee shop with a big 
Silent Brew sign posted out front. There's a western-style patio with a couple half-empty Modelo bottles and some cracked peanut shells out front. Chaz casually walks in the front door. He looks at the waiter on one corner and the barista on the other. The barista gives a quick signal and directs Chaz with her eyes to the back of the seating area where a small door leads to a private patio. Ron, whispering to Jimmy, Man, this guy's got got it figured out. Jimmy, you're telling me. The waiter leads the three of them to the back patio where the two girls from the parking lot are sipping frappe drinks and exchanging laughs about their work. Girl number one. Chaz! Come here, you big goober! She gets up and gives him a sensual hug, lacing her arms around his furry torso. You were supposed to call me, remember? Chaz. I'm sorry, sweetheart. You know how things get in the immuno lab with new antibodies? Girl number one. I'll spare you the awkwardness of forgetting our names. My name's Grace, and this is Leslie. Leslie. How do you do, Chaz? Do you remember me from New Year's? Chaz, smiling and glances at the waiter. Of course I do. New Year's, how could I forget? Grace, forget? You silly willy. Nobody forgets when you break into the Dallas Zoo and take off with one of the lions. Ha! Chaz, you are one of the greats. Chaz, let me introduce you to my friends Jimmy and Ron. Chaz ushers them forward and gives his friends chairs at the table. The five of them settle in around the large, irregularly shaped coffee table constructed of distressed wood. The girls provide a warm, friendly energy. The rich notes of fairly traded Arabica beans are filtering through the shop and off the back patio. Chaz is at the head of the table, near the sliding door, it's not crowded, but an occasional patron walks back and forth. Ron and Jimmy are on the far side, looking towards the shop. The girls are sitting opposite them. Ron. It's not a slammer, by the way. Jimmy. Pleasure to meet you, Grace and Leslie. Sounds like you know Chaz quite well. Ron. They would tranquilize you and send you back to the research area. Grace, the pleasure's all ours. Any friend of Chaz is a friend of the Uptown Girls. Leslie chiming in, that's the name of our personnel company. Ron, I don't know why you call it a slammer. They would never send you in there. You're an endangered species for crying out loud. Chaz, you talking to me? Looking at Ron. Of course I'm talking to you. No, the other 400-pound time-traveling gorilla on this patio. Jimmy, time-traveling? Grace, sounds like your friends have some unanswered questions, Chaz. Sipping the foam on her coffee with a sultry grin. Grace, why are you so secretive anyways? If I was in your shoes, I'd love to tell my story to everyone. Ron, fortunate gorilla. Chaz, that's enough out of you, Ron. I've only known you two hours and you're already pissing me off. And finally, Grace, I, I don't wear shoes. My feet have a 
black leathery veneer, which I'm proud of. Shoes are for you human savages. And yes, Ron, there was a time when my research classification afforded me exemption from some human laws. My patent expired two years ago, however. Now, if I screw up, they'll try me as an adult. Ron, an adult ape or adult human? Jimmy, Jesus, Ron, would you just let it go? Chaz, you can put an end to this discussion by telling us how you got here in the first place. Leslie and Grace, in unison, yes, please. Chaz, fine. Chaz leans back in his chair and pulls a pack of cigarettes from inside his furry chest pocket. He looks off into the night sky beyond the Cafe Fiesta lights. He takes a long drag and, and, and exhales. Chaz. Okay. My real name isn't Chaz. That's something the catering staff at Cab Lab gave me some time back. My real designation is A6M0. I was born in the Congo in 1974, around the time Muhammad Ali did that special fight with George Foreman. Back then, they called it Zaire. With the influx of tourists over the next 10 years, there was a movement of avant-garde scientists who were doing all kinds of longevity experiments. They bred gorillas for some of those experiments. One of the doctors was this guy from Newport Beach, California, who needed subjects to experiment with a new drug. It wasn't really a drug, it was a nanodrug with the ability to latch onto human telomeres and delay the process of aging. It was banned in six European countries at the time. I had a young family to support back in the jungle, so I was willing to do just about anything. In fact, I was trying to get into the lab game. With a couple unsuccessful attempts in the years following the rumble in the jungle. Leslie, what's a telomere? Chaz. It's the end of a DNA strand. They get shorter as people age. In theory, you could add on a hundred more years of life. Jimmy, you had a family? Yes, Jimmy. In those days, circa 1978, I was a strapping young gorilla with two kids and a hunger to create a better life for them. But I was reckless. The income from longevity experiments put my kids through the best school for gorillas in the suburbs of Kinshasa. But I began to take unnecessary risks. I wanted to buy a house on Lake Victoria. I was away talking to lenders when the Civil War broke out. When I came back to our jungle enclaves, gorillas, human gorillas, had taken my family. It was the saddest day of my life. Leslie, you poor thing, reaching over and places her hand on his. Chaz, from that day forward, I was obsessed with coming to America. That would be the only way to buy my family back from the gorillas. The Congo was a dangerous place back then, and frankly, it still is today. Braun. Did the doctor from Newport Beach get you an animal work permit? Chaz. Sort of. His name is Angel. He might still be on the coast or down, down in Baja, California. 
At the time, he didn't need any lab animals in his clinical practice. But he knew a guy in Ramona, a small town in the mountains outside of San Diego, with an antibody farm. Angel agreed to keep me on as a patient if I helped his friend in Ramona. I would donate serum every month. More importantly, he kept me on as a recruiter. Jimmy. Fascinating. Leaning forward. The so-called Brown Revolution was just beginning to take off in the 1980s. The demand for monoclonal antibodies was exploding. Mice, rabbits, and goats, they were all needed. The guy who ran the farm, Rob Laverne, was inundated with new orders and had a big name university and had big name university system clientele. Only problem was that he did not speak mouse, rabbit, or goat, let alone Spanish mouse, rabbit, or <clears throat> goat. Ron chiming in. So he brings on a lab gorilla from Zaire as his new head of recruiting, Grace. Hang on a second. Brown Revolution, wasn't that the thing where Idi Amin threw out all the Indian people? Jimmy. It's messed up that you would think that, Grace. Brown Revolution refers to the rise of immunohistochemistry in surgical pathology. Leslie. Immuno who? Chaz. Thanks, Jimmy. That's absolutely correct. Every tissue type has a unique antigen on the cell surface. Even the transcription factors in the cell nucleus can steer the pathologist to a site-of-origin diagnosis which previously was impossible. Ron chiming in again. I had never worked up a tissue diagnosis with gorilla polyclonal antibodies until I got to cab lab. The antigen retrieval was better in my experience. Leslie. It's that gorilla blood, huh? Chaz. Well, I don't know about all that. All I know is that Rob Laverne and I had a good run during the five years we worked the San Diego market. He let me pretty much run my own show in terms of recruiting new animals. You'd be surprised how many different breeds of rabbit there are. We offered full employee benefits and a generous profit-sharing plan for all the rabbits and mice. Ron. Not the goats? Chaz. Not the goats. I never did understand what old man Rob had against the goats. I mean, he had a dozen llamas up there at the farm, and I always thought those were Latin American goats. Ron. Goats and llamas are completely different animals. Why would he think that? Jimmy. Stay in your lane, Ron. What are... What are you, the llama expert now? Ron. I'm just saying it's kind of hypocritical. Chaz. Whatever the reason, that's the way the old man ran the farm. And it led to a schism between the animals. All of them used to play together in the front pen, mouse, rabbit, and goat alike. Over time, the mice developed their own hierarchy, and so did the rabbits. Brawls would break out in the yard, especially when the goats started running low on serum. You could get, like, three batches of antibodies from a single goat, whereas a good-sized rabbit would yield half a batch at best. So the goats got this superiority complex and felt they would start policing the yard. 
Grace. Like the sisters? Jimmy. Shawshank Redemption? Ron. I like what you did there. Chaz. I didn't do anything. This wasn't a joke. These were real animals. With families, for crying out loud. Look, a mouse should never grow up seeing his father mauled by a goat. Leslie. But they have hooves, right? Chaz. Whatever. Hooves. Paws. Fine. They were trampled, not mauled. Bottom line is that I was complicit in the atrocities that went on at that farm in Ramona. Chaz takes a long drag from his cigarette and stares off into the hazy Dallas twilight. Chaz. It haunts me to this day. Jimmy. Chaz, you can't beat yourself up over this. You did it for your family. Leslie. You poor thing. Reaches over, touching the ape's hand. Chaz. The next seven years of the late 80s and early 90s were rocky for me. Ron. Wait, what happened to the longevity doctor from Newport Beach? Chaz. Angel Lopez? Yes. Well, to his credit, I owe my entire life to his treatment with TEL1 inhibitors. The fact that I'm sitting here today with you sipping coffee is nothing short of a miracle. Jimmy. So the drug worked? Chaz. It did. But the feds came after Angel. Raided his private ranch in the Avocado Hills outside Escondido. Angel always told me he finished medical school in Mexico and was fully licensed in California. But I guess there were some holes in that story the feds weren't buying. He didn't keep up with his CME for a couple of years. That's how they got him. Also, there were some mid-level providers up at that ranch doing colonics for cash-paying Europeans. That didn't help his case. Jimmy. Colonics? Ron. Yeah, it's the same thing, uh... It's that thing where they put baking soda into an enema and squirt it up your ass. It's supposed to alkalize your blood. Jimmy. You sound familiar with this. Ron. Yeah, well, you're not the only one with a gluten allergy. I was desperate. I hadn't shit in two weeks. Jimmy. That's impossible. I think you just wanted a moonlighting nurse practitioner to give you a colonic. You're just that kind of guy. The girls snickling, snickering across the table. Ron, shut up, Jimmy. Chaz. Take it easy, guys. It doesn't matter anyways because they shut the entire ranch down. I remember it like it was yesterday. You'd drive out there amongst the groves of avocado and grapefruit trees, the bright California sunshine. It was an idyllic little enclave off the back entrance of Palomar Mountain. My friend Henry used to ride his Kawasaki Ninja out there. It's really too bad. Grace. So you couldn't get your treatments anymore? Chaz. Nope. But by then I'd been getting them for years. I didn't need them anymore. I guess the drug had permanently altered every telomere in my body. Grace. Something else... Uh, sips coffee in wonder. Leslie, so you get to live forever? Chaz, gosh, I hope not. I'm already pushing twice the longevity of a normal silverback gorilla. 
I've seen enough pain in my life. I just need to find a way back to Zaire, or the Congo, and see if any of my descendants are still alive. Leslie turns to Grace. We've got to help him. So what happened in the seven years in between, before the partners and Rory brought you to Cab Lab? Chaz. I went down a dark path, Ron. Really, I don't like talking about it. I was doing odd jobs across Arizona and New Mexico, working construction and later as a line cook at a diner in Albuquerque. I got into meth. Some nights I would sleep beneath the rail cars outside of town when I couldn't make rent. Most of my savings I'd already wired back home to my family. Hopefully the funds actually went to my kids. I was living month to month in a studio apartment behind that diner. I grew to love the place. The owner got me into jujitsu. I stopped smoking meth and put myself wholly into martial arts training. The gym became my family. Jimmy. 400-pound gorilla doing jujitsu in the desert. Desert. Never heard that one before. So when did you meet Rory? Chaz. At work. One night I was covering the swing shift and this guy walks in. Crisp shirt, black hair, and tailored pants. He looked tired and hungry. The hostess sat him down. I could hear her laughing from where I was by the grill. The two of them seemed to have an immediate connection. The guy would come in and out of the diner over the next few weeks. One evening I saw him in the parking lot on my way in. He was really extroverted. The kind of guy you want to talk to. So we got to talking and he mentioned he works as a business manager at the lab over on the other side of Dallas. He said they were the biggest menu of immunostains in Texas and probably the Southwest. My eyes lit up. He could tell I was interested. So we went inside and shared a cup of coffee, told him about my background in research and my skill set I'd learned up in Ramona at the farm. He was impressed with my pedigree and also my work experience. He pretty much hired me on the spot, said he could use a gorilla like me in Cab Lab in Dallas. I tempered my enthusiasm, and it was a chance for me to start fresh again and reinvent myself. I didn't ask too many questions after that. I was on a flight the next week, and the rest is history. Well, there you go. That's the end of Chapter 8 of No Lab for Old Men. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of 3D Percuts, the lifestyle magazine for the practicing surgical pathologist. Bringing you high signal content fueled by 10% buffered neutral formalin. Hope you enjoyed listening. If you like this content, subscribe to the newsletter at 3dpercuts.substack.com. I'm your host, Chuck G. And until next time, be well and stay curious. Peace, guys.